Hello and welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I am Doug. I'm a pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church based out of Shelton, Washington. We're a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Faith is a welcoming community, growing closer to and more like Jesus, making Christ known, joyfully serving each other, our neighbors, and all God's creation. You can learn more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. Thanks for listening today. I've been doing this Will Preach for Food podcast for almost two years now. As the name suggests, I like to preach. I love to read God's Word to try to understand what it says, what it means, what it means for us today, and then to try to put that into a 20-minute podcast. Preaching is usually a conversation. It's a public dialogue that that has the, the preacher, the congregation, the scriptures, and the Holy Spirit all engaged with one another. Christians have been gathering to listen to preaching uh, for centuries, hearing the scriptures read out loud, listening to that sermon, singing, praying, sharing communion. We are a communal faith. And this practice of getting together is a practice that's rooted in the Jewish faith. Jesus was Jewish, so Jesus himself grew up going to the local synagogue every week for public worship. And when he grew up, he became a preacher. Today's reading tells us about the first and maybe last time he ever preaches in his hometown. Please open your Bible to Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. We start with a deep breath and a prayer. Lord, speak to us that we may speak in living echoes of your tone. As you have sought, so let us seek your straying children lost and lone. O fill us with your fullness, Lord, until our very hearts overflow in kindling thought and glowing word, your love to tell, your praise to show. Amen. A reading from the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter, beginning at verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. And then he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. God has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. Then Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard you did in Capernaum. Well, truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years. It was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy at the time of Elisha the prophet. 
Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman, the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This story is a dubious one for preachers. You could read it and think, well, good preachers ought to get themselves chased out of town. Or you could read it and maybe take some comfort in knowing that even Jesus couldn't please his own congregation. There's a story about a young preacher who asked an older preacher what she should preach about. Preach about Jesus, the wise man told her, and preach about 20 minutes. One of my seminary professors challenged each one of us students to ask ourselves, did Jesus have to die for this sermon to be preached? And to paraphrase the 19th century humorist Finley Peter Dunn, a good sermon comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. Preaching has always been a conversation. God's word, God's spirit, the preacher, the listener. It's meant to be heard and understood in groups. Folks have been gathering for worship and Bible study for a couple thousand years and for good reason. Jesus says that when two or more are gathered in his name, he shows up. It's not that a person can't study God's word alone. It's just that it's so much better with others. How good and pleasant it is when God's people get together in unity, in word, in the word, in the word. Which, which makes this time of pandemic even more difficult. We're meant to get together. And how hard it is when we have to use Zoom or we have to settle for a phone call or we have to wear masks just to get together. Well, back to this story from Luke chapter 4. It begins with a pretty typical scene from a first century Jewish synagogue. It was public worship centered around the reading of Scripture, the Law of Moses, the Psalms, and the Prophets. This pattern had been in place for centuries before Jesus. The book of Nehemiah was written about 500 years before Jesus and describes a scene in which men and women were all gathered to hear the priests and the leaders read the scriptures and explain what they mean. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 4, it even tells how the high priest Ezra got up on a high wooden platform. It was the first pulpit so that the people could hear him better. The scene from Nehemiah includes public song and prayers with people praising God saying, Amen, Amen. And there's even a coffee hour, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. The leader instructs the crowds to, quote, go home or to go and enjoy choice food and drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of Yahweh is your strength. The Bible is proof that we're supposed to have a coffee hour. So here's Jesus, fresh off a 40-day stint in the wilderness, He's making a name for himself, preaching throughout the region of Galilee. He passes through his hometown one weekend, and he does what he always did. He went to synagogue on the Sabbath for worship. And the synagogue leader gives Jesus the honor of reading the scriptures. And the assigned passage is from the prophet Isaiah. Jesus stands to read, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because God has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. The people love this passage. It's a rich reminder of God's promise to save Israel from their, their captors. 
Israel's enemies would be defeated. Sons and brothers and fathers would be released from prison. It would be the year of Jubilee. The world would see that Yahweh is the one true God. The year of the Lord's favor. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty. We are free at last. And today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, Jesus tells the congregation. Amen, they reply. That's Joe's boy up there. So far, so good. But then, Jesus keeps talking. He says this, he said, you'd like me to put on a show for you, wouldn't you? You want me to make you feel good about yourselves, entertain you with a miracle. I bet you want me to do that whole water to wine thing I did back in Cana. But I'm not going to do that for you today. Instead, I'm going to preach God's word. I'm here to tell you that this is the year of the Lord's favor and that the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news. But I want to remind you as well about a couple of other stories I learned growing up. The first one is about Elijah the prophet. You know, there had been a lot of widows in Israel back then. But when there was a famine, God sent Elijah to save a foreign woman from Zarephath in Sidon. And then the prophet Elisha. Back in his day, there were plenty of lepers in Israel at that time, but God chose to have Elisha heal an enemy general named Naaman, who was from Syria. Now you connect the dots. And Jesus stops talking to let it sink in. To let it sink in that God doesn't reserve favor for insiders. That the kingdom of God is for all people. That God's favor is for our enemies, for foreign women, for Roman soldiers, for people who don't look like us, vote like we do, speak our language, or share our beliefs. Well, you can understand this message touches a nerve. Jesus had brought politics into the pulpit and not the kind that people like to hear. The ushers forcefully escort Jesus out of the building, the long-haired, over-educated son of a gun. They make noise about how there's no place in Nazareth for the likes of him. They threaten to rough him up. They move him to the edge of town where, you know, a person could get hurt if they're not careful. Somehow, Jesus manages to slip away. So what do you think? Do you think Jesus preached a good sermon? Do you think Jesus thought it went well? What makes for a good sermon? Certainly Isaiah chapter 61 is a good sermon. It's good news to the poor, to the poor in spirit. It reminds us, it encourages us that God knows what's going on in the world, what's going on in your life. God cares. God promises to act to bring about justice and jubilee, forgiveness and freedom. This is what Jesus came to do for us and for our salvation. He didn't come to abolish the scriptures, but to fulfill them to show us that God's love and mercy is for all people, regardless of what they believe, regardless of where they come from, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their gender. God is the prodigal father who, when he sees his wayward son a long way off, is filled with compassion, runs to his son, throws his arms around him, kisses him, and throws a party to celebrate a son who was lost but is now found. This is good news. But it also challenges us. It disrupts our comfort zone. For as long as there have been public gatherings for worship, there have been seeds of judgment and prejudice and privilege. 
Surely we are God's favorite. Surely God thinks the way that I think and hates what I hate, especially those people over there. But as Jesus' sermon tells us today, if God's grace is for a foreign widow and an enemy general, then that means that God's grace is for people that we don't like. Which means that we are the ones who have the real problem. We are the ones who are being called to repentance. In a different sermon, Jesus put it this way, you've heard it said, love your enemies, or you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for the very people who get on your nerves, because that is what it means to be the children of God. May you be blessed and encouraged by God's good news today, that God's love is bigger than you can imagine, that God is here, God is for you, and nothing can separate you from God's love. May each one of us be challenged in our own prejudice and pettiness that we may repent of our sin, grow in faith toward God, and grow in love for our neighbors, and even for our enemies, maybe especially for our enemies. May God's Spirit raise up, equip, and empower good preachers to proclaim God's word. And may God send you out today as a living sermon proclaiming the day of the Lord's favor. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, folks. You can go to our website, www.faithshelton.org, to find more resources for growing closer to and more like Jesus. Uh, Sign up for weekly emails, like us on Facebook, make a financial donation to Faith, subscribe to this podcast. I want to thank Chaz for his production work on this podcast every week. I want to thank the people of faith for their, for their love, for their patience during this pandemic, and for their efforts to make Christ known in the world. And I say this to each one of you. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.